Before we crack on, I've got a question for you. If you're buying something online, do you check the reviews? Of course you do. We all do. But what if the reviews are fake? Well, that's exactly what happened to Toma Tagrin when he bought a camera based on shoddy reviews. He got stitched up with a bad product, so decided to do something about it, launching Yotpo. Yotpo makes it easy to get verified reviews from your customers and then display them on your e-commerce site and across your marketing. This is important because 10 reviews can uplift conversion by 53%, but 100 reviews, well, that can more than double conversion. It's big numbers. Yotpo helps customers trust you enough to buy from you, and it's even more valuable you keep those customers coming back, which is why they also have loyalty and SMS features to help your retention. So, if you're in e-commerce and want more revenue, check out yotpo.com secret. That's yotpo.com secret. Now, onto the show. You can't put everything down to the wrong timing. Okay, and if you if everyone puts it down to it was, you know, the dot-com bubble, there are brands who survived the dot-com bubble, and we didn't. So why didn't we? You can't just say, oh, the dot-com bubble. That's Trini Woodall, who used to star on TV with Susanna telling us what not to wear. She's now the founder of Trini London, a makeup brand that's developed a massive following. But we're not here to talk about that, actually, at all. We're here to find out about an earlier business she started, an internet fashion platform she founded in the first dot-com bubble, which went spectacularly bust. From Secret Leaders, I'm Dan Murray-Serta, and this is the first episode in our bite-sized series dedicated to failure. Now, unlike the full-length show, these episodes will be 10, 15 minutes long, and they'll focus on one very bad moment in time for our guests, not their whole career. We're doing this because failure is far more common and interesting than success, but it's hardly ever talked about. We want to change that, with the help of founders like Trini, who are sharing their toughest moments and what they've taken from them. Trini's story is about her company, Ready2, an early stab at using the internet to provide personalized fashion for women at scale. At the beginning, they raised money with ease. It was the dot-com boom. They built a team with dozens of engineers and got over 220,000 women signed up. But fundamentally, all businesses fail because they run out of money, and it was no different for Trini. They hadn't been able to prove revenue and they couldn't raise the next funding round. So what went wrong? What mistakes did they make? We took too long. I think if I look back, this is something somebody told me at the very beginning of Trinity London, and I remember it so well. It's like people sometimes take too long building out the concept and not long enough deciding how they're going to sell. Okay, they get so caught in the creative weeds that they just want to make it perfect, 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 and they don't take long enough to think of how they're going to make money and sell. So probably if I look back at Ready2, there was an element that we took so long of how many channels we're going to have and who's going to be in those channels. We want to do cooking and we want to do, you know, just too many goddamn channels. Let's start with three. But no, I want to start with eight because I want to offer everything to women from the get-go. Now, that's because I like to have that vision and think, let me execute on offering everything at once. But what I've learned at Trini London is let's start with one. Let's get that woman to feel comfortable, understand what we're doing, understand what we want to do for her as a woman. We didn't spend enough time really working out how quickly we would and could make money. And also we wanted to offer too much too soon. 
And that too much too soon took cash. And if there hadn't been a dot-com bubble, maybe we could have easily carried on because, you know, in that consequential next gold rush, people were like, I don't care how you're ever going to make profit on a customer, get tons of customers. And that's what weirdly we were doing really early on in that stage. So if we started that business at the beginning of Casper Mattress Blitzkrieg, it would have actually, we would have got a second and third round because like, my God, you're getting so much data and traction and customers. And it's all about customer, customer, customer. And now it's not. Now it's about how are you keeping that fucking customer? Because there's so many places that customer can go. And if you keep that customer happy, they will also tell you about new customers. And Facebook is not working how it used to. So how are you building out the concept of what a brand is? What are you putting into building the concept of what you are for that person? So many things contribute to why something doesn't succeed. In the end, when you have failures, also things become a blur because you kind of... Susanna went off to have a baby and I, I was negotiating... I think I remember I negotiated with our investors how we'd close the business down, you know. And that's the hardest thing to do with a business because I really reward loyalty. So I wanted to give everyone a three-month bonus. And it was a real negotiation that if I gave everyone a three-month bonus, there would literally be no money left for anything. And if I gave them a one-month bonus or something, yeah, it was just this thing. And I just thought these people who had put so much into the business, there was suddenly like, I didn't particularly care to give any bonus to, but there were lots of people in that business who worked so hard. And I just felt it's horrible to be suddenly without a job quite quickly. So I remember that was the hardest thing of going through that list and also telling the team, you know, having that, them in the room and saying, you know, you've all worked so hard, but we're not going to be able to get there. That's a very tough thing to do. And... 80% of them were women, lots of emotion in the room and lots of sadness. It's terribly sad when everyone buys into a vision and they're on the journey and they're so committed on the journey, especially that swell of the main younger team and so impressionable. And then it doesn't work out. And you know, it's like you, you dust yourself down, you get up and you move on and they do. And they're like, you know, that's what happens. But you as a founder feel their pain more than they feel it, you know, because they're, they're young kids. They can just like, it's fine. I'll go on my next job. And I loved it. And I remember what I take from it. So that was tough. And then I remember being reduced to like myself and had an assistant and we had this little tiny office and um, I was basically just paying the bills for three months so that we didn't have any debt from, you know, so everyone was paid off and it was neatly tied up. That's a classic scene at the end of a startup. The founder sitting around in the ashes of what they've built, closing up shop. Speaking from personal experience, it's devastating for your confidence. How are you supposed to pick yourself up after something like this? It's all to do with what voices are inside your head entirely. It's nothing to do with the exterior. Because you've got to really separate out circumstance, business decision, our thoughts are not us. And a lot of that has to be processed. And where I think I was lucky is I was in recovery. I had a program. I had that sort of element of a kind of slight knowledge of meditation, spirituality was something that I had in there. Okay. Because I'd had lots of imposter syndrome in my early 20s and lots of lacking in self-worth and lots of bigging it up and feeling less than. And I think what 
going into recovery taught me is to fit in my skin. And over the last few years, that journey has got better and better for me. But when this closed, I was devastated. I was so sad. You know, it's like losing, losing something incredibly precious to you and something you've just put everything into. And I went to a retreat in America called Cottonwood, which is actually a recovery program, but they do these retreats for a week for people who are already in recovery. And I went there and I just sort of made peace with myself. And I remember that sort of moment, because when you're by yourself doing something like this, it's like a month of something, you know, because there's nobody there to make it seem shorter because you've got a friend from you bring with you. You know, there's, it's really important to do these things alone. So important. And I went for a walk in the desert with the cacti. They had this desert walk. And I just had that sort of little kind of spiritual awakening moment, which we can have in many times in our life where I let go of what had happened. And I said, I'm open to whatever else is coming in my life. I don't know what it is. And I'm not trying to paint the picture, which I always try to do. I paint the picture, pick ourselves up, let's come up with another idea. Let's just keep going like the bloody, you know, locomotive train. It's like we need to stop at the station. We need to get out and we need to take a breath. And we need to feel a little element of stillness. So I did that. I came back and I felt I'd made a bit of peace with myself. I'd forgiven myself a little bit for this failure because we are our harshest critic. And then about maybe two or three weeks later, the BBC rang and said, we love your column. Will you do what not to wear? And I went on a totally different path. When you start a business, your identity becomes tied to it. Not just because you invest so much into it, but because everyone around you associates you with it. Your company becomes an extension of you. Your company's performance becomes your performance. So when your company fails, what does that say about you? You don't want your friends to think less of you. So how do you even talk about it? We want the dialogue that we can get through at a dinner party. How do we explain away a failure? Um, Especially when it had been loudly talked about before. So some people were like, how's it going at Ready Too? How's that business, you know, last time I see you? What? So it's either that, and then you say, well, actually, it closed because we couldn't, you know, and you give those kind of clever reasons why it didn't work, but it still looks like you look good as an entrepreneur, <laughs> you know, that kind of shit. And if you're with a really good friend, you might just say, wrong timing, but, you know, I probably did some things that weren't right and it didn't work. That's the hardest thing to say. It's like you split up with somebody and it takes a long time to say they left me. You want to kind of say you left them. But to get to the stage where you can say they left me because, fucking hard. Some people never do it. It Took me about seven years with one relationship to say they left me. (laughs) But it's that same thing. It's like when you can see that it needn't affect your future, it's easier to talk about it. And that's how quickly can you get to that place. Because it's not your future. What you did then is not who you're going to be in the future. And that's like remembering that is the most important thing. You know, it's definitely going to give you stuff that will make you better in the future, but it's not your future. Remember at the beginning of the journey, how much faith other people had in you to take you on that journey and know that you are still that person. And they will have that faith again in you to do the next thing you want to set your mind to or somebody else will. You've been listening to our bite-sized series dedicated to failure. And Trini is testament to what we've heard recording this series. 
Your past failures won't define your future. With enough time, you'll even look back on them with fondness. If you like this episode, then you might enjoy the full-length show we did with Trini. She tells a hilarious story about kicking Susanna under the table when they raise their seed round for Ready 2. We'll be back next week with another deep dive into someone's worst career moment. So, please follow us in your podcast app and share the episode with someone who needs to hear it, because it might help them. See you next week. Here at Mindset Win, we want to give you the tools to become better at what you do. Taking inspiration and wisdom from our guests, we will hear stories, strategies, tips and tricks. Told by leading names in sport and beyond. Who know what it takes to get to the very top. There will be two episodes each week packed with amazing stories and practical takeaways for us all to follow. Search for Mindset Win on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app.